and end in light. From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades by Calchexis Read by Sam Gabriel Based on League of Legends by Riot Games Chapter 3 Lux was unduly glad of the size of her family's estate because it meant that when she returned to get some rest after her long night in the archives, she and her mother could reasonably avoid each other as much as possible. She had truly gone into that conversation intending to play the part of the good daughter the way she always did, but for some reason she just hadn't been able to. She had gotten a taste of true freedom, of life without a mask, and Lux was finding it harder and harder every day to put that mask back on and to keep it there. It didn't help that, despite everything, her mother had always been able to get under her skin, and it was infuriating. At least she'd finally gotten the hint and allowed Lux her time and space. They were never going to be a family. They were never going to be mother and daughter, not really. And there was too much bad blood. Too much blood in general, actually. Between everything, Lux managed to get a few hours of sleep once she returned. But only a few because she was woken around noon by a house guard who bore the brunt of her seasoned glare as she stared at him through the crack in her door. Yes? Lux asked. Your presence is requested at the Temple of the Protector, my lady, the guard said stiffly. Lux sighed, then said, I've spent the last twelve hours debriefing my superiors and following up on crucial investigations. Can it wait? No, ma'am. The High Marshal was quite insistent. Of course she was, and of course it was Auntie Tia. Tiana Crownguard was a hard woman, and more than that, she was a fanatic. She believed in the supremacy of Damasia above all, and she was determined to die on that hill, although to date that hill had mostly been littered with the many, many corpses of the people who unwisely chose to disagree with her. Give me a moment to make myself presentable. Lux said before stepping back into her room and closing the door. Realistically speaking, she'd expected this. It had been too much to hope that Tiana would not make an effort to speak to her. Despite Tiana's blatant prejudice against mages, she had at least curbed her fanaticism enough to allow for Lux's work within the shadows of the Radiant. She recognized the sacrifices Lux had made and often commended her for her dedication and loyalty in spite of her unfortunate circumstances. Oddly, Tiana was one of the few members of her family that Lux considered herself to be on unilaterally good terms with, which was especially odd given how fervently the woman hated magic. Blame not the sinner but sin, Lux recited one of the more familiar catechisms of the Protector, and smiled thinly as she pulled on her underarmor, buckled her cuirass into place along with the rest of her light armor before going to splash her face with water and comb out her bedhead. Buckling her sword to her hip, Lux brushed her hair from her face and left her room. She allowed the guard to escort her down to the roundabout that curved in front of the mansion where a carriage was already waiting. For Tiana, there was never any other option but to say yes, because, family or not, she was still the High Marshal of Demacia, the ranking officer of the whole military, second only to Jarvan himself, and even then he could only countermand her orders under certain circumstances. One did not say no to Tiana Crownguard. She thanked the guard quietly, slipped into the carriage, and a moment later it was rumbling down the road away from the estate. 
At least this way she wouldn't have to endure an awkward family meal with Garin doing his level best to make up for the gap between burnt bridges. Once upon a time she had loved to take long rides through Demacia to admire its beauty. It was still beautiful, of course, with its long stretches of green pasture and old-growth forests, and the vistas of high mountains capped with ivory snow. The cities themselves were not the urban sprawl of Piltover and Zaun, but the conscientiously constructed pattern of architectural genius laid out in accordance with the golden mean. Putting all of her discontents aside, Lux admitted, silently, that there was one thing that Damasians did well. Her ancestors had built a nation with patience and a presence of mind that looked forward. They had planted trees that they would never know the shade of but for the sake of those who would come later. That same mindset was ingrained deeply into the soul of Damasian culture. Many of their great architectural wonders had taken generations to build. The Temple of the Protector itself had risen over the course of a century and a half. That was something no Piltoven could ever conceive of, because ultimately theirs was a culture of the self. Why, they would ask, would I build something that I would never profit from, never enjoy? Why would I do such a thing? As if the concept of future generations simply didn't matter. Zaun was similar, how could it not be? It was the dark twin of Piltover, but at least Zaun had the excuse of survival. They did not build in such a way because they simply did not have the luxury of choice. All of their time was spent surviving the ruin that Piltover rained upon them, and yet Jinx was still trying. Whether she knew it or not, she was trying to plant a new tree, and Lux wanted to be there for her throughout that. Zaun would never heal in their lifetime, that wasn't a possibility, and Lux was certain that her wife knew that, but she was just as certain that Jinx didn't care. Together they could bring something new into the world, something that was the best of both of their worlds, the patience and the presence for living and the future that was key to Damasia's long history, and the creativity, ingenuity, tolerance, and zeal for life that was the beating heart of Zonite culture. Hope was not something that Lux felt any affinity for. Hope was the sort of thing that people had when they lived lives that moved forward. Lux's life never had any momentum. Her purpose had been beaten into her like the maker's mark on a good steel blade, perfect and unchanging. What place had hope in a life where nothing ever changed? She had no hope, only expectations. She would live, she would serve, she would fight, and then she would die. There was no hope, there was fate, there was no path, there was purpose. Her life was a single note that drowned out every other sound in a continual and deafening hum. And then Jinx came along. Another note was added, and then another, and another, until it was a chaotic frenzy of atonal chords that slowly blended into harmony. And from that harmony had come color, an entire rainbow of colors that she had never imagined. Tastes and sounds and smells all suddenly seemed sharper and more real. Was it any wonder that she was willing to do terrible things to keep those miracles alive in her life? The carriage came to a rolling stop, and Lux sighed as she elbowed the door open and stepped out into the sunlight. All around her was marble upon marble. She had been left at the foot of the hundreds of steps that ascended up and up to the Temple of the Protector. 
It certainly was beautiful, what could be seen of it anyway. The thing about marble was that if it was kept properly clean, which of course this whole area was, then it was quite reflective. Blinding would be the better term. Lux followed the steps up, counting them off in her head by rote. Each was chiseled with one of the seven hundred catechisms of the Protector, each one a lesson to be drummed into the minds of the acolytes of her grace. Lux had learned them too, as an apostle of the Radiant. She had been made to recite each of them perfectly during her training, and each time she made a mistake she was forced to do penance before starting again from the beginning. She had been given only a little gruel and water and a heel of bread each day, enough to survive and no more, until she had been able to recite all seven hundred in sequence. It had taken her almost two months. Lux took step three hundred and twenty-six. The Protector's wings shield the innocent, so the wings of the Protector are grace, for such is the shelter of the worthy. Three hundred and twenty-seven. In the shelter of grace we are holy, in the shelter of grace we are new, and beyond her shelter we are shadows. Blessed be those sheltered by grace. 328. Mourned be the shadows beyond the shelter of grace, for they stand beyond her radiant wings. 329. Blessed be the shadows cast by those wings, for though they stand in darkness, the radiant light be theirs. She made the rest of the rise in silence before finally cresting the summit. Before her towered the great statue of the winged protector, a spirit of holy light and justice. Like those who worshipped Janna and Zahn, the Damasians worshipped Kale the protector. Prior to the League's rise, Kale's faith had been powerful but subtle. With the revelation of the protector who accepted the great summons of the League in the name of Damasia, they had grown in power. It was a complex system of belief, however. The doctrine of the temple stated that the spirit that fought on the rift was not truly the protector in her fullness, but an aspect of her, a sliver of her divinity granted to Damasia, as it had been before in times of turmoil. Despite having fought alongside the spirit multiple times, Lux had never gotten more than a handful of words out of Kale. She was a brilliant tactician and an unbelievable warrior, and she certainly was fanatically devoted to protecting Damasia's interests. Why, though, Lux had never learned why. Lux walked past the statue, pausing only for a moment to find relief in the shade cast by her wings. Then she moved on, through the immense doors and into the comparatively cooler temperatures of the temple nave. She passed row upon row upon row of seats, a few of which were occupied by the very pious or maybe the particularly bored. The further reaches of the temple were restricted to the clergy or the very high ranking among Damasia's court. Therefore it was unsurprising to Lux that her aunt was waiting for her at the very foot of the altar, kneeling before it in full and resplendent armor. Protect to shield the worthy, the innocent and the true. For thou art mighty and thou art grace, and in thy name, I stand as a single feather in the veil of your wings, Tiana intoned. Blessed be the light of your radiance. Blessed be the grace of your mercy. Blessed be the feathers that have fallen. And blessed be the wrath of your love. She stood as she completed her prayer and turned to regard Lux imperiously. Good afternoon, Auntie, 
Lux said as she stirred the detention. You called for me. I did, Tiana replied. I understand you and your mother had a row. My mother has always had ideas about my duties that never quite lined up with reality, Lux said. Are you here to tell me, too, that I should sheathe my blade and cast off my armor to pump out a few scions and then waste away in vacuity? The corner of Tiana's mouth twitched, which was about as close to a smile as the woman ever got. No, she said. I'm here to offer you a position at my side. The oracles of the Protector speak of a rising war in the East. Already the League has begun to crumble from within, as it was always destined to, reliant as it is on the heresies of magic. Lux raised an eyebrow. What position? she asked. Surely you're aware that only the Aegis of the Radiant and my position within the League grants me harbor from the dictate of annulment, and I doubt you'd have much use for a petrocyte-addled former operative. You would ostensibly remain with the Radiant? So the protections for your curse would stay in place, Tiana said. With the League's fading, Noxus will not bother to curb its lust for conquest, and a war will come again to our doors. I will have need of a talented stratega, and your experience from your intelligence operations across Valoran and beyond will be invaluable. A stratega? Lux echoed with a faint smile. You mean a spymaster? Call it what you will, Tiana replied. Mother will be furious. Augutha is more concerned with the preservation of the bloodline. I am concerned with the preservation of the kingdom and its people, and that takes precedence. Tiana turned and linked her hands behind her back as she stared up at the solar dome above them. Is it true you've been taking the field with the vanguard again? Lux asked. Tiana was silent for several moments before nodding stiffly. I've spent too long away from the camps. When war comes, I will not have it find me as a woman too long in the tooth and too distant from the field to recall the taste of blood. Brother's company must be terrified to have you along, Lux said with a faint smile. It's like having an inspection every day. No one wants to disappoint the High Marshal. I am well aware that certain corners are cut by soldiers in the field when needs must. She turned to fix Lux with one sharp blue eye. I was a soldier long before I was the Marshal, after all. I doubt most of the new generation would believe that, Lux replied. Tiana scoffed. This new generation is soft. They have never known war as I did. The League had them convinced that war was a thing of the past, but it is not. The League relies on magic. Magic is the sum of sin, and therefore it was always meant to fail. The peace wasn't bad, though, while it lasted, Lux said. No, Tiana admitted quietly. It wasn't bad. For a long moment they stood in silence, and Lux felt a gentle pang in her heart, a touch of regret. Tiana was getting older, but she was still brilliant and nearly peerless in battle. Not even Garen could match her blade for blade. She was strong, smart, and deceptively fast, and her blade work was more than technically perfect. It was almost artistic. It was not the artistry of a duelist, though, not like the Laurents. History of blood. So, Tiana looked down at Lux expectantly. 
Your answer, dear niece. Can I count on you? Give me a day to consider things and to consult with the Radiant Council, Lux said. They have a wider view of the world, and as dearly as I love you, Auntie, I want to ensure that my skill set serves Demacia to its greatest capacity, not simply its most convenient. Nodding, Tiana reached out and laid a hand on Lux's shoulder. You know, everyone always says that your brother is the golden standard by which Demacian should be measured. But I tell you now, in truth, that I have always believed that it was you who represented the best of us. Lux found herself genuinely startled as she stared up at the woman who, frankly, might have been her twin were they the same age. She had always taken more after her aunt. Faith is tested by trial, Luxana, and you were tested from the very cradle. Your life has been a crucible, and I am proud to see that it has produced the very finest blade imaginable. Thank you, Auntie, Lux said softly. Her grip tightened on Lux's shoulder for a moment. Then she let go and nodded. You will have your day, and more if more is needed. But I would like an answer soon. May I ask, then, what you will do in the meantime? I understand you were recalled, perhaps, inappropriately. Mother interfered, as she is wont, Lux said. Zonites laid hands on enough petrocytes to fill a drum magazine with specialized ammunition, and I was this close to hunting down a solid lead. Tiana sighed and shook her head. Ogatha, you fool. She does love you, dear niece. It blinds her betimes, but she does. Love does not protect the nation, Lux said firmly. I need to find that petrocyte, and last night I had an epiphany. Oh? A market must have a supplier, and to supply petrocyte it must have passed through Demacian hands, and I thought to myself, what criminals are so heinous? that they would betray even the soul of our nation. Lux squared her shoulders and said, I need to go to Block 4. And I was going to go there tonight, but if I may prevail upon you, ask what you intend to ask, Luxana, Tiana said. Your seal of approval would hasten my work greatly in this regard, since Block 4 is directly under your jurisdiction. Tiana eyed her silently for several seconds before giving a small nod, reaching into her cloak and drawing out a golden marker bearing her personal seal. Tiana handed it over without a word, and Lux smiled warmly as she held out a hand. This is not a bribe, Tiana said before handing it over. Do your work, dear one. Hunt these heretics and drag them into the light. I will, Auntie, Lux replied. Demacia will know their foes by the end, I swear to you. Good. Now before I give you this, you will explain your plan to me. Lux pressed her lips to a thin line, then nodded. It was late by the time Lux stepped into the shadowed halls of the Demacian Supermax prison. Block 4 was the innocuously named ward where the very worst and the most dangerous criminals were kept, those that could not be safely executed or for whom execution was too good of an end. 
so too were kept those whose lives had meaning still despite their crimes, those who might still be of some use to the crown. Lux had been responsible for a few of the residents of Block 4, not many, though. The people that the Radiant sent her after tended to be ones that required more permanent disposal. She had been expecting to have to leverage a lot of her family's clout in order to get herself into Block 4. She was even prepared to blackmail a couple of the more choice senators if it came to it. Her aunt had conveniently allowed her to bypass that bit of distasteful conduct. She almost felt bad for using her aunt Tia's affection for her like that. Almost. Lux flashed her aunt's insignia at each checkpoint as she descended to the lowest levels. The final point was hers and hers alone. There were two illuminators, heavily armored, equipped with long glaives whose blades were cleverly lined with petrocyte. Not even in sorcelled armor could shield a mage from their bite. Mind you don't get too close to the bars, Lady Crowngod, one of them said as they passed her through the checkpoint. And take what he says with several grains of salt. He cannot be trusted. And yet I must ask if any of his confederates could be responsible for the crimes that I am pursuing. As you say, Lady Crowngod he replied. He drew out a key ring that held only two keys. He pulled one free, but it was not that which Lux was looking at. She traced the image of the second key in her mind, emblazoning it in perfect detail as quickly as she could. She took the key she was handed even as she tightened the fingers of her other hand around something beneath her cloak. My thanks, Lux said quietly. To you both. The hall they guarded had a single cell at the very end, and Lux walked it calmly as she considered her actions. This next step was crucial. She had to make it work. Otherwise, fully half of her trip would be in vain. She stopped in front of the door, fit the key they had given her into the lock, turned it, and several dull thunks sounded from within the reinforced metal frame. A moment later there came a click, and Lux withdrew the key, opened the door, and stepped inside. The darkness was cloying and heavy, and fully half of the room was given over to a cold stone cell. Thick, heavy bars kept the cell's occupant in place, but the icy numbness of the surrounding petrocyte ensured that he remained there. A visitor, he sounded almost amused. This light. How interesting. I suppose it wouldn't help to say that I didn't do it. Whatever it was. Oh, I'm aware that you haven't done anything, Lux replied as she stopped just beyond the cell. That's not why I'm here. As her eyes adjusted, his ragged but powerful form came into view, made harsh by the shadows around him. We need to have a chat. Silas of Dregborn. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.